Well, hey, good morning, church. It is uh, good to be with you. So glad you're tuning in here, even though we aren't in the same room gathering all together this morning. Uh, there is a very real sense of unity that we are all at the same time sitting down to turn to God in prayer, to spend some time opening up God's Word together. And there's a sense of unity as we, as a church family, navigate the uh, uncertain times that we're living in and the uh, uncertain future that we are looking out upon. This really is an, an unprecedented situation. But uh, hopefully you are tuning in in your comfy pajamas. You got some fuzzy slippers on, a warm cup of coffee, maybe your second cup of coffee in your hands, and you are ready to engage. I know uh, the introverts in our church are probably really enjoying this morning and this format. So, uh, hey, I'm glad that, again, for wherever you are, however you're tuning in, thanks for being with us. Uh, but before we jump into the message and to uh, the scriptures together, I wanted to just start by spending a moment in prayer together. So uh, would you join me again, wherever you are, and just pause for a moment as, as we pray. Father, we turn to you, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your constant presence with us, your care for us, your goodness, your uh, direction in our lives. Thank you for the truth that you, Jesus, never leave us, that we always can look to you as the source of life and our, our strength and our, our hope. God, you never leave us. You will never fail us. You are the comforter in times of crisis. You are our strength when we are weak. And so, God, we, we praise you together. And God, we also think about uh, the coronavirus and this really unprecedented health crisis that we are living through. And we ask, Lord, for your help. We want to pray right now, especially for those who work in our hospitals those who are uh, EMTs, medical professionals, doctors, nurses who are responding on the front lines uh, to all of these needs that are arising. God, would you strengthen them? Would you comfort them if they are anxious? Would you give them energy if they are weary? Would you give them love and compassion to engage and meet these needs of so many people? Lord, we pray for those right now that have fear in their hearts, not necessarily because of uh, getting sick or a concern there, but because of the financial realities that are now at play and uh, the paychecks that might be missed or diminished, um, the, uh, the stock market dropping, Lord, uh, all these financial realities that can bring uh, an, a sense of uneasiness and concern. We pray for peace there. And Lord, we pray that you would equip our church to be a light in our city and in the Bay Area, to be a people known by bold confidence and hope because of our faith in you. And also, Lord, would we be known for our love, our sacrificial love for one another and for our neighbors. So God, we turn to you now and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, would you find your way to Psalm 46 
with me as we prepare to jump into God's Word together. Just so you know, the plan for this Sunday was to launch into our new sermon series in the book of Galatians. You know, we've been studying the book of Exodus for several months now, for some time, and we landed that plane last week, and so we were excited to jump into the New Testament book of Galatians. Uh, And we still are excited, but we decided it would be best for at least this week, for this Sunday, to spend some time uh, talking about what we're all thinking about. And that's the coronavirus, this thing that's now been officially labeled a pandemic. Uh, We have to talk about this and think about how should we as Christians respond A brief word of, again, logistics, we're taking things week by week as a church, which means, again, obviously we're not meeting together at the church this Sunday, uh, but in the weeks to come, we're going to be looking at uh, what local officials are saying and trying to pray and make wise decisions about the weeks to come. And so in a few days here, by the middle or so of this week, you should hear another update from us about what our plan is going forward. Again, we're taking things week by week. Uh, This week, things in our building are basically shut down. So groups and events and things that were going to be happening at the building were canceling or postponing. Uh, If you are in a small group, your small group might still be meeting. Check in with your small group leader. We would encourage you at least to take this next week off but again, check in with your leader. Maybe you'd still want to get together for a small prayer time or, or meal together, some form of encouragement. Uh, but we'd encourage most groups to just take a break for this week. So again, you'll be hearing more as we go. But again, we thought it would be strange. We thought it would just be weird if we said, hey, uh, let's not talk about the coronavirus. We thought it would be strange to say, here's again this this thing that we're all thinking about that's on our minds. It's uh, literally a pandemic, a health crisis, unlike anything we've really lived through in recent memory. And then just say, and let's just go on business as usual with the book of Galatians. We thought that'd be very odd. And so we have to at least take take a week here to think about what does this mean for, for us, for our world, for our community, for our church. Uh, and so there's no better text to guide us this morning than Psalm chapter 46. So again, turn to Psalm 46 now if you haven't already. If you know the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, uh, Psalm 46 was the basis for that uh, wonderful song. And so it's the key text to turn to at a time like this. I'm going to read the first few verses out loud for us. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. You see, in these opening verses, the sons of Korah, who are the authors of this particular psalm, give us a little bit of direction and and understanding uh, what's going on in the psalm. Apparently, God's people are in trouble and they're in need of protection. Many might be afraid. So something is happening big in their life and in their context. We don't know the details. We don't know exactly what is happening, but they say in the midst of this trouble, God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's our protector. He will sustain us. He's our ever-present help 
in trouble. And so can we just start together by acknowledging that this is a time of trouble, that what, what we're living through right now has brought about all kinds of complications and difficulties and fears. Many of us are afraid. Obviously, there are challenges and serious complications and challenges for our health and for our safety to our hospitals and our medical workers. Many of us are afraid that, that we'll get sick or maybe someone we know will be affected. And not only this, but, but normal life seems to be shutting down. I mean, schools and universities and concerts and travel, it's all shutting down. And this affects many of our paychecks, our financial stability. Uh, we fear what is to come. There's not really a clear end in sight, right? We don't, we don't honestly know how long this is going to last. And so it leaves us looking into the unknown a little bit. And so the author of Psalm 46 similarly is looking at a time of trouble, a time of crisis, where all the, the normal things in life that are usually stable are now shaken and threatened. And what does he say? The author says, God is our help. He's our present help in trouble. Therefore, verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. So our response at a time like this will be faith and trust, not fear. And that's remarkable when you think about what the author of Psalm 46 is saying. I mean, just look at the text. He's talking about the earth giving way, the, the mountains falling into the heart of the sea. I mean, think about that. The ground that you walk on is one of the constants in life, right? The sun rising and the ground that you walk on, right? You don't wake up in the morning wondering, Am I going to have ground to walk on? Will the earth beneath my feet be stable unless an earthquake comes because we live in the Bay Area? But that's pretty rare, right? For the most part, we're like, the earth beneath my feet is stable. I can set my feet upon it firmly. Not only that, but the mountains, these mountains are large, so massive that we would not think anything could shake them, that they would be threatened by the sea, that they would crumble. And so here the psalmist says, even if the earth we stand on and the mountains we look at as immovable, even if those things start to crumble and fall into the sea, we will not fear. Think with me really briefly back to Genesis chapter 1. If you look at Genesis chapter 1 and see the creation account in Scripture, when God creates all things and creates our world, one of the things that he does is he separates the sea from the dry land, right? He's bringing order out of chaos and all these different ways, and he separates the sea from the dry land. And so here in Psalm 46, a scenario is being depicted where that process is literally being undone, right? The dry land and the mountains are, are being uh, cast back into the sea, so, so the, the process of creation is, is literally falling apart. It's literally being reversed and undone. And so for someone reading this in the Old Testament, 
If they heard this and they were thinking about this situation, they would think this, this is the end of the world. This is the undoing of life as we know it. Now, let me be clear. I am not saying that the coronavirus and what we're living through is the end of the world. I'm not making that claim. It's serious. It's deadly. It's a massive problem. But friends, I believe we will recover. We will continue on. We will press through. We will navigate this. There's a bright future ahead for us. But Psalm 46 can still be an encouragement because it reminds us that, hey, even if things get worse, even if the catastrophe is worse, even if the the very things that we count on for stability in life, the ground beneath our feet, the very order of creation, even, even if those are undone, even then we can respond in faith and not fear. Even then we can step forward without being afraid. We can trust God because he's with us. Now, I want to be, be clear also that having faith is not in contradiction with being smart and wise and using common sense. And so we should have faith and wash our hands, right? I believe in the power of prayer, and I also believe in the power of soap, okay? Both are good and right, and we should embrace them, okay? Wash your hands, stay home if you're sick, follow all the, the guidelines that our officials and health professionals are telling us. Let's be smart, use common sense, but we can do that and have faith and trust in God at the same time. Because the text says God is our refuge. He protects us. He strengthens us when we are weak. He's present with us in times of trouble. And so there are two truths about God that we should remember right now that can help us trust him. The first is that he is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is in complete control. God is guiding all things to his purposes and his plans. So our lives, our individual lives and stories fit into the greater plan and work of God throughout history. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that. In our limited perspective, we think about our lives and our short years here, and we can lose sight of the bigger plan of God, what God is doing throughout all of history. And so we should trust that God is good and his sovereign plan and will will be accomplished. God does all that he pleases. God works all things for his glory and our good. (coughs) There is nothing too difficult, no challenge too great for the Lord to face. He is sovereign and in control over all things and our lives are in his hands. As we can sleep at night soundly embracing that truth. The second thing I want us to remember that helps us trust God is that in Christ we have eternal life. So because of the salvation we found in Jesus, this life is not all there is. And even if we die now, we believe that we will live because of the power of the resurrection. Right? Do you remember 1 Peter chapter 1? It tells us we've been born again to a living hope a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've been given an inheritance, that passage goes on to say, that will never perish, spoil, or fade. So friends, we have an eternal promise that gives us hope, eternal life to look forward to. 
that because of the resurrection and the work of Jesus, even if we die now, we will live with God forever. That's the hope that we have as Christians. That's what allows us to face death without fear, because our lives are in the hands of Jesus. And through faith in him, we've been forgiven of our sins, reconciled to the God who loves us. We don't have to fear judgment day. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And more that, Jesus rose again, so we have new life both now and forever. So especially now, friends, we can fix our eyes on Jesus and the eternal life that we have in him. And if you're listening to this, again, wherever you are, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, there's fear in your heart, and you're more aware now than ever of your own mortality, I would invite you to put your trust in Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so that truth, that promise is there for you. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So when Jesus extends that invitation to you, and I encourage you to turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and trust in him as Lord and Savior, if, if you have not already. And you can experience this hope, this joy, this confidence that's found only in Christ and the God who loves you. And friends, let's remember that as a church family, even if we didn't realize it, we've been preparing for this for months. We've been reading the book of Exodus, and we've seen time and time again God show us who he is and how he works, and it perfectly prepared us for this season, right? Because in the book of Exodus, we saw what? That, that God hears our prayers, God sees our affliction, and God enters into history and responds, and he acts. We saw that God is at work, even if his timing and, and his plan looks a little bit different than ours. Even if rather than a direct route, he takes us on a zigzag. And rather than a direct flight from point A to point B, he, he has a few layovers worked in. Even if his timing is much different than ours, we trust that God is at work, that God is good, that God knows what he's doing, that God's leading us. We saw that time and time again through the book of Exodus. And now we have an opportunity, frankly, to, to put that into practice, right? To, to bring those truths from theory to real, lived experience. We've been preparing for this, friends. And so in, in response to this situation, my, my primary encouragement right now is to trust God. Trust God. Look to Jesus. But I also want us to see that this is a season of incredible opportunity for the gospel. This is a season and a time where we can make much of Jesus and where the watching world can see the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Think about this. People are afraid. People are worried. People will be in need. People will need hope. People will need help in practical ways. And as followers of Jesus, we can step in and provide that. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? Matthew 5 verse 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See what he's saying? He's saying in dark times, the church is supposed to shine. He says you are the light of the world, so let your light shine before men. Let people see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So people are to see how we love one another, how we love our neighbors, and see that it tells them something about who Jesus is. And friends, we can look to the early church to see how they navigated difficult seasons as as a guide for us today. Maybe you've already seen that comparison, how, how Christians in the early church, in those first few centuries of the church, how they responded in the Roman Empire to plagues and to health crises. They stepped in over and over again. Early Christians stepped into fearful situations with faith and hope, with sacrificial love and service. One recent article explains what that season was like in the Roman Empire. He said, you'll notice how non-Christians in the Roman Empire emphasized self-preservation while the early church emphasized fearless, sacrificial service. Whereas non-Christians fled from epidemics and abandoned their sick loved ones as they feared the unknown, Christians marched into epidemics and served both Christians and also non-Christians seeing their own suffering as an opportunity to spread the gospel and model Christ-like love. And actually, there's a story that in in, uh, the 300s, the Roman emperor Julius uh, pulled together the pagan priests and non-Christians in in religious service and said, hey, you guys need to start being like those Christians. You guys need to embrace their virtues. You need to embrace their sacrificial love. You need to start caring for people the way the Christians are. But there, there was little to no response from the pagan priests and others because they had no doctrinal basis or, or traditional practices for them to act out or to build upon. But the Christians had at the heart of their faith a man dying for his enemies. At the foundation of their faith was sacrificial love and the call to love our neighbors, love our enemies. That's what Jesus was about. That's what the gospel shows us. And so these early Christians had, unlike anyone else, the internal resources to step out in faith and love their world in in an incredible way. And so friends, this is our chance to love our neighbors, to, to lead with hope, to lead with confidence in practical acts of love in the name of Jesus, that Jesus would be glorified, that the truth of the gospel would be seen. And who knows, maybe centuries from now, people would look back on this era, on this group of Christians living now, and note how they loved their communities, how they served sacrificially, just like those early Christians did in times of need. This is an incredible opportunity, church. This is our time. And so a few practical steps we can take, a few suggestions on how we can carry ourselves in this season. First, we can love our neighbors by praying for them. We can pray for our families. 
We can pray for our coworkers. We can pay, pray for our friends. We can pray for those who work in our hospitals. We can pray for police officers and first responders and those in the medical field. We can pray for our leaders. We can pray for our government officials, our health officials. We can pray for our nation's leaders. We can pray for the president. We can pray for other nations, other countries. We can pray for our world. Let us bring these concerns to the Lord over and over again. Can you commit with me to daily praying for these needs? The second thing we can do is we can practically love other people by reaching out to them. And let's just realize that for many, this is going to be a lonely time. Many of us are well-connected. We have extended families. We have a lot of support systems around us, uh, but not everyone has that. And so you might have a coworker, a a friend, a neighbor uh, who is going to be lonely and in need. Maybe there's someone in your small group, someone on your street who is going to be lonely or who is more fearful or more at risk right now because of what's going on. Maybe they have less financial stability than you do. Can, Can you join me in thinking of maybe at least three people who are going to be more affected by this than you are? Who are three people that, again, their finances are going to be affected, their health, their family, their relationships, their their life in general is going to be more affected than you? Think about those three people. And would you send them a text message this week? Give them a call this week? Uh, Sometimes a simple uh, act of compassion, reaching out, hey, how are you? How can I pray for you? I'm thinking of you. That can go a long way to let people know that you are caring for them, that you are there them. And friends, if you're, if you're on lockdown at home, if you're self-quarantined or you are, again, stuck at home, would you let us know? As the church, uh, we would love to be able to pray for you specifically, to reach out to you specifically. You can email the church. You can email me. Uh, you can find that info on our website. And we would love just to know how we can serve you, how we can love you and pray with you in this time. Also, friends, uh, another way we can practically love our neighbors, we can pray, we can, again, reach out. And also I want to speak to the reality that we can share our resources. As many of you are aware, the shelves at the store are becoming empty. We've run out of toilet paper and paper towels and cleaning products, bottled water, lines at Costco are ridiculous. I, I don't know how long this will last, when new shipments will come in. But let me make this very clear. As Christians, we are not called to hoard resources for our own benefit. We're called to generously share what we have with those in need. And so it's simply not enough as Christians to say, you know what, my household is covered, we're taken care of, everyone else can can deal with it on their own. That's that's not a Christian response. Rather, we can let our friends know, hey, I have supplies. Here's what I have a lot of. Let me know what needs you have. We can let our neighbors know. We can let our friends know. Uh, We can let people know, hey, you're not alone in this. And maybe you didn't have time to get to the store and wait in the lines the way everyone else did to buy toilet paper or whatever else you purchase, or, or over-the-counter medications. Or maybe you didn't have the, the, the means or the finances, the ability, whatever it was, to, to stock up on things the way that some people did. But guess what? You're not alone. 
Friends, you, you have a family. You have a church family. Here, we have over 250 people strong. We have a lot of resources that we can share and pool. And we're actually going to be working on a way to kind of collect some of those requests. So as a church family, if there are needs and you run out of things, important things, we can share that information and, and as a church, attempt to meet some of those needs together. So keep your eye out for a kind of the online form or, or whatever it is that we're going to put together to try and address that. But I want you to know you're not alone. And you can, again, let your neighbors know, hey, we're, we're in this together. And these resources, yeah, I, I've gone to the store, I've gotten X, Y, and Z, but I want to be able to share what I have with those who need it. And so church, realize, this is our time. This is our time to trust God, to love our neighbors, and follow Jesus in a way that is so compelling, so countercultural, that people are turned to the truth of the gospel, and they turn their eyes to Jesus and themselves choose to follow him. So a few reminders then just before we sign off. Uh, we do want to encourage you still to give. Uh, your generosity is what allows this church to function. Uh, the ministry of the full-time staff, uh, our overseas missionaries that are serving in different capacities, the programs and things that we do here uh, are only possible because of your generous giving. And so even in a time like this, those finances are, are, are needed. And so I ask you to still consider your faithful generosity as an act of worship to continue to give to the work of this church. Even though we're not passing plates around right now, online giving is going to be the easiest way that you can do this. So on our website, uh, at the top, on the right, there's a little giving tab. You can click giving and then click online giving on the next page and it'll lead you through. You don't need like a profile to log in or anything. Uh, you can pay from your bank account or uh, from a credit card, uh, however you want to do that. I just want to encourage you uh, to take that step to continue to give generously. Uh, and also I want you to know this could be an opportunity for, for your family to do this together right now. Right as this kind of video ends, you can go to the church page and, and make uh, a contribution to the work of the gospel here. And sometimes, again, our giving, again, if we just automate it online, sometimes it's not always seen or, or maybe one person handles the finances in your home and so your spouse doesn't always see, oh, wow, that's a lot of money that we're sending out each month. Like, that's a big deal. That's an act of worship. That's something that we are doing in obedience to Jesus. Or maybe something that your kids don't really realize you're doing that often. This could be a chance now around your couch or kitchen table, wherever you're watching this, to say, hey, let's, let's as an act of worship, trust God with our finances and give. So I'd encourage you to do that. And also, if you haven't already set up recurring giving, there's a way to do that on our website. You'll see it clearly at the bottom. You can say either a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Uh, probably the easiest way to, again, not forget to make sure you're taking that step is to set up that recurring monthly donation. So I want to encourage you to, to take that step as well. Uh, it's really simple and really, really helps. The other thing I want to say is, parents, uh, you should have received a link with some uh, resources to guide your children through a bit of study and a Bible lesson this morning. So I want to encourage you to take the time as a family uh, to 
get together with your kids and to read the Bible lesson and to do the Bible activity so that your, your kids are being encouraged. And, and again, maybe listening to me for your kids might be somewhat boring, but you can, again, after this, lead them through a, a lesson that is tailored to them, their age group, so that they are still, again, being reminded of the gospel that God loves them, that God is with them. So make sure to take advantage of their resources. And for all of us, church, again, we want this to be not a Sunday off, not where we're like, hey, we're not doing church, but we're still engaging in worship just in a slightly different way. So please take advantage of those opportunities. Lastly, I want you to know, church, I love you. Uh, as one of your pastors, I love you. The leaders at this church, our staff, our other pastors, we love you. We are praying for you. We are with you in this. And we are going to continue to trust God and step forward with faith and confidence, not fear, in this time of need. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we recognize that you are our hope, that we have life eternal with you because you have saved us all by your work, your grace, not by our own works. So thank you, Lord, that our lives belong to you. And we again pray for your wisdom, your help, your strength as we step out into these days ahead. Help us navigate them with faith, with confidence, with hope, with love for our neighbors, and that all of that would glorify you. God, bless our city. Bless our country and our world with health and healing in your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone.